Well, I'm going to continue on with this sermon series called Ecclesia, which simply means church. That's what the word means, church. So we're studying the book of Ephesians, and Pastor Kyle and I have, uh, have gone through and we've shared, we've covered the first three chapters of, of Ephesians. I was going to try to get through chapter four and five today. I'm probably not going to get to five, but I'll just, I'll hit on chapter four today. Uh, and we'll come back to chapter five next week. But in this, we discover in chapter four and five, we discover uh, how to experience real and lasting life change. Now, remember, this was written by the Apostle Paul in a Roman prison to a young church in the city of Ephesus. And his goal was to help them nurture and maintain unity in that body of Christ. Something I feel like we need to always be aware of to do whatever we have to do to make whatever sacrifice is necessary to maintain and nurture unity in the body. And there have been so many things that have tried to divide us over the last year and always, but especially this last year, and we've got to make sure that we're a part of his plan of, of bringing the change that is necessary for all of us to live in that unity. Chapter four gives us three ways to create a new you. And then chapter five gives us six ways to create a new family. I'll get to the family next week. But I believe that God wants to make a change in our life. I, I know that many people are more resistant to change than others. You know, Ron, his doctor told him he needed to give up red meat and he thought that meant not putting ketchup on his hamburger. But uh, some of us are more resistant to change than others. I know we have a lot of women here that are trying to support climate change, and I appreciate that. You're doing that by recycling your 29th birthday every year. I get it, but that's not the change I'm talking about. The change that comes is we recognize that change is the one thing that's constant in all of our lives, right? Change is always happening. I mean, you look back over church life, just think of all the changes. Think of where we are today and all the changes from styles of music to styles of dress, styles of delivery, style of the platform. Things have changed and your ability to navigate and tolerate change determines whether you're going to be happy and at peace in life. We've got to be able to tolerate and navigate change. Ephesians 4 gives us three changes that create a better you. And I want to be better in 2021. I hope you do as well. You want to be better? A better version of you? All right. Here's three things real quick. Number one, a new way of thinking. A new way of thinking, because in Ephesians 4, 22 and 24, it says you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds. We are to be made new in the attitude of our minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You see what you think shapes and determines the direction of your life. We sow thoughts and we reap actions. We sow actions and we reap habits. We sow habits and then we will reap a character. We sow character and we reap destiny. It all starts with our thoughts. And if you want real life change, you gotta start with thinking differently. And that means we've gotta get the thoughts of God into our mind. There's a lot of people that wanna think for you. There's a lot of people that don't want you to think for yourself. But I, I, I want to get the mind of Christ and the thoughts of Christ in my mind and think more like him. It's amazing to me 
how thoughtful we are about the things that we put into our mouth, our body, and how little thought we give to what goes into our eyes and into our ears. I mean, come on, we, we, we're real thoughtful about the water that we drink. We'll make sure it's purified and then we get the bottled water and you get the, you know, you got to have the special filtered water. You got to get all that. We do all that in diet sodas. You're careful. Make sure you're cutting down on sugars and all of that. And then we, the food that we order, we're going to order the low calorie and the gluten-free and the organic and keto this and no taste that. It's just, it's horrible. We, you know, and even, even uh, exercise, we will exercise our bodies and we'll work out or we'll, you'll run or walk, even if it's walking to the fridge, you know, it's, it's a walk. It's counted as exercise, right? We, we are very conscious of all of that. But yet when it comes to what goes in our ears and our eyes, it's like we just go brain dead and we let anything enter in. We let anything go in. We can't do that if we want to have a new way of thinking. You've got to be conscious about what you're thinking about. There was a man that uh, had bought a new gadget and he was trying to put it together and was reading the instructions, instructions and rereading the instructions and couldn't get it together. So he went to his neighbor who was an elderly handyman and he was working in his backyard and he went to his neighbor and said, hey, buddy, can you give me a help with this thing? I can't seem to put it together. The elderly handyman comes over, looks at it, studies it a little bit and puts it all together. And the guy says to the handyman, I can't believe you did that without even reading the instructions. And the elderly handyman said, well, the truth is I can't read. And when a man can't read, he's got to think. I think we need to do more thinking. <laughs> we got a lot of reading going on, not a lot of thinking. We need to think, but the thoughts that we need to think are the thoughts of God. And the fact is the Bible gives us qualifiers for what our thought life should be. Philippians 4.8 says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is uh, pure, lovely, or admirable. If anything is excellent, if anything is praiseworthy, think on these things. So the Bible gives us clear qualifiers for what we should think about. And if your thought pattern, if your thought life doesn't line up with what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, then you need to change the way you're thinking. You need a new way of thinking. Let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. The second thing that needs to change in order to create a better you is a new way of speaking. We see this in Ephesians chapter four. Now, let me ask you a quick question. How many of you had filthy mouths before you got saved? <laughs> okay, how many still working on that? that, that yeah, yeah, I thought so. There are more of you that raised your hands that time. <laughs> I know Starla's still working on hers. We're, we're praying for her. Y'all pray for her. That filthy mouth. I, I'm kidding. Uh, how many have ever hurt or destroyed your witness because of something you said? Hmm? Let me be honest. A ton of us have probably damaged hindered, limited our witness because of things that we said. And I know that some people, you know, they, they don't think before they speak because they like being as surprised at what comes out of their mouth as everybody else. But the fact is, we've got to change the way we speak. I can remember being as a teenager on a mission trip. And while I was on this mission trip, the director uh, of the mission trip, he and his wife had a, a, a young boy, eight years or so, that was on the trip with us. And he, to me, as a teenage boy, he was very annoying. 
And he just got on my nerves all the time. The fact is, I probably got on his nerves as much as he got on mine. But at one point, in a moment, while we're driving along in the van on our way to tell people about Jesus, I just got frustrated with this kid. And I said, ooh, I'm so glad you're not my son. And uh, it was just supposed to be between me and him. (laughs) And he barked back at me with some rude comment, louder and loud enough for his mom and dad to hear him up in the front. Well, he turned around and started getting onto him and said, don't you speak to Kendall like that? And he said, well, he said, he's glad I'm not his son. I thought, these poor little children, they just don't hear things right, do they? You know, that couldn't be what I said. And I remember at that moment, I thought, man, these guys will never trust me. They'll never believe in me. I've just ruined my witness. I've ruined my reputation by something I said. And the fact is that we've probably all heard ourselves from time to time, but here's what Ephesians says our speech should sound like. Ephesians 4.25, each of you should put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we're all members of one body. Meaning that when we speak, we've got to remember everybody. This is what's crazy. Many people think that just because they think it, they have the license to say it. No, that's why we have scriptures that say, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Because not every thought should be spoken. Just because you think it doesn't give you the right or the license or the permission to say it. You got to bring it into captivity. Ephesians 4.29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So there's qualifiers on what our speech should sound like. Unwholesome talk? No, shouldn't come out of our mouth. Our mouth should be speaking words that build one another up, that bring help, that bring healing, that bring encouragement, that bring comfort, not tear people down. Use your words wisely. The power of words, they have life and death in every single word. Make sure you're speaking words that are giving life, amen? Ephesians 5, 4 says, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Our words should be words of thanksgiving. And Jesus pointed out himself that there's a real clear connection between what we say and what our heart says. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you got to make sure your heart is right so your words are right. Uh, God has a plan for each and every one of us, a plan to change us, a plan to transform us, a plan to renew us. But we've got to work with that plan by making sure that our thought life is brought into obedience, that our our words are brought into obedience. And then the last thing that we got to do is we got to change the way we act and change the way we behave. A new way of acting, a new way of behaving. One thing that speaks louder than your words is your actions. Your actions speak louder than your words. Several years ago, I heard the story and worshiping me. If you guys come back, please. Uh, The story of a guy named Larry Walters. He was 33 years of age and lived near the LA area. Decided he wanted to see his neighborhood from a different perspective. So he went down to the army surplus store and he, uh, He bought 45 used weather balloons, took them home, filled them with helium, attached them to a lawn chair, 
sat in the lawn chair with a six pack of beer, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a BB gun. And his plan was to go up about a hundred feet in the air. And when he got ready to come down, he'd shoot the balloons with his BB gun. He thought he would probably get to about a hundred feet up in the air and he'd just kind of float around and then come down. The only problem was he took off so fast before he knew it, he was 11,000 feet in the air. And so afraid of the height, he, he wouldn't dare shoot one of the balloons. Only problem is he floated into the air traffic space of LA International Airport, shut down flights from all over the country. They couldn't get in. For two hours, he's floating around up there. Finally, uh, help arrives. They're able to get him down. They bring him down. He is cited and arrested and ticketed. And when the reporters ask, were you afraid? He said, yes, I was afraid. Would you do it again? No, I wouldn't do it again. Why did you do it? His answer was, you can't just sit through life. You got to do something. <laughs> I don't think that's a good enough reason. But the fact is, we can't just sit through life. We do have to do something. We, but we've got to make sure that whatever we're doing is right. We got to make sure that our life is our actions are, are in alignment with God's word, that everything we're doing is bringing glory to God. Everything that we're doing is bringing harmony in the body of Christ. Everything that we're doing is honoring him. We're keeping Jesus the center of it all, right? Look what Ephesians 4, 17 says. So I'll tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding. And separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Now notice this. When a heart gets hardened, they become ignorant. Ignorant of what is right. Ignorant of what is wrong. This isn't a condescending. This is just the fact a lack of knowledge. A lack of common sense. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him according with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its de deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your minds to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, those are powerful words which call us to think different, to speak different, and to act different. That when we come to Christ, there is an expectation that we begin to live our lives differently than we did before. We put off the old self, and we put on a new self. We become a new. God wants to create a better version of you, but we've got to work in coordination with God. In fact, I want to read that same passage to you in the message version. Just listen to this. Paul says, and so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore. Feeling no pain, they let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. But that's no life for you. You learn Christ and make Christ the center of it all. 
My assumption is that you've paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in truth, precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. Everything connected with the old way of life has to go. In other words, when we come to Christ and we make Christ the center of it all, we leave the old life behind and we take on a new life. New thoughts, new words, new behavior. Can't hold on to the old anymore. I think one of the problems that we've had in church for too long is that we've kind of begin to gravitate towards being so much like the world. And, and I'll take blame for my role is that we try to be so unoffensive and we want to make it so easy that we don't call people out of the old self into a new self. We just kind of make it easy. Just make a little confession of faith and God loves you just the way you are. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you so much that he doesn't want you to stay that way. He'll accept you and receive you just like you are. But he starts a work in our lives to change us, to transform us, to make us new, to make us more like him, to think different, to speak different, to act different. He wants people to exemplify his heart, not the heart of the world. We have to be different. He goes on in the message version. Everything connected with the old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through the old life. Get rid of it all and then take on entirely a new life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. You know, many people's excuse for living outside of biblical guidelines is simply this, I was born that way. And if I was born that way, then it must be all right. Because why would God make me that way if it wasn't okay. God can't hold me accountable and God can't hold me at fault if he made me this way. Now here's the problem with that. The simple truth is that we were all born with sin. Every single one of us were born with a tendency toward a sinful nature. We have a sinful nature. We were all born with an attraction to something that is unbiblical, unhealthy, and unholy. Every one of us. That's why we are told to put off the old self and take on a new self. Whatever dysfunction, whatever issue that we may have been born with is the very reason why we need to be born again. That's why we call it born again because we die to the old man and we take on a new life. So I was born that way, it doesn't work because Jesus came to give us new life. Put off the old and put on the new. He came to change us, not to enable us. The path to a new you, new you it starts with a new way of thinking, a new way of speaking, and a new way of living. But we have to work with him. The plan starts on the inside and works its way out. And that's why Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. Back in 1981, there was a, a story of a car that had been stolen and it was in California. And the police started this search to find this car and they started putting out 
radio uh, advertisements, radio commercials, radio announcements uh, to try to get the attention of the thief. They wanted to get him because they weren't trying to catch him necessarily right now to punish him. They wanted to catch him because the owner of the car told them that on the front seat of the car was a box of crackers. Crackers that had been laced with poison. He was gonna use them as rat bait and rat poison. And the owner of the car said, if the car thief takes a bite of those crackers, he will die. So they went all out to try to catch this guy. But they weren't trying to catch him just to get the car back. They're trying to catch him to rescue his life. And there's a whole lot of us that think that God's pursuit of us, and listen, he pursues us in a lot of different ways. You know how he pursues us? Sometimes he pursues us by a loving mom and dad dragging us to church. And we're sitting here and we hear the word and we're hearing his love and we're feeling his presence. That's God pursuing us. Sometimes God pursuing you is when you're driving down the street and you stop at a traffic light and there's somebody standing there on the corner and something they say or something they do or something they've written on a sign speaks to your heart and God's pursuing you and he's trying to get through the, the shell of your life and get into your heart. Sometimes it's through a little child child that says something. Sometimes it's through a stranger who very well could be an angel unaware. Sometimes it's through a circumstance. Sometimes it's through a doctor's report. Sometimes it's through adversity. But God pursues us and he comes after us, not because he's trying to punish you, but because he's trying to rescue you. He's trying to keep each and every one of us, each and every one of us from destroying ourselves. He's pursuing you today. He's been chasing after you. He's been trying to get your attention. He's been trying to knock on the door of your heart. He's thrown obstacles and roadblocks out in front of you, your mother's prayers, and he's trying to keep you from heading down a path of destruction. Why? Because he's trying to rescue you. God's not mad at you. God loves you. He loves you more than you could imagine. Maybe you have felt the pressure of the Holy Spirit coming after you. It's not the spooky monster trying to chase you down to scare you. It's God's arms trying to pick you up, just like he did the prodigal son to get him out of that pig pen, out of that mud, get him back to the Father's arms. God's been trying to get to you so that you'll come to your senses just like the prodigal son did and realize I'm better off in my Father's house. All that this world has to offer is not what I thought. Maybe you've ended up in a place you didn't think you would end up. Maybe you ended up in a place that wasn't quite so glamorous. God's pursuing you today. He's trying to get your attention because he loves you. And he wants to create a new you. He wants you to think different. He wants you to talk different. He wants you to live different because the better version of you is gonna to lead to a better family, a better community, a better church family, a better kingdom.